0: With that being said, we are going to be continuing our series called Childlike Wonder, our Christmas series where we are challenging you to stop seeing the world through those jaded adult eyes and to start seeing the world and seeing the Christmas season through those wonderful childlike eyes. We want you to start seeing the world with childlike wonder as opposed to that kind of cynical, jaded adult point of view. Um, For some of you guys, they're like, hey, I get it. I get the phrase childlike wonder, but what does that really look like? Here's what it looks like. That is the best example I could possibly find of childlike wonder. That girl is about to explode with childlike wonder. It's literally dangerous just looking at her like that. But this, this is what we are, we are encouraging you guys to consider embracing. The idea that what if, have what if you started to see the, the, the world around you with eyes like that as opposed to those adult, skeptical, cynical, jaded eyes. And again, the, the, the bottom line is, is that all of us remember being hurt. All of us remember the excitement of our, of our youth where we, man, your little kid's like, man, Santa's coming, all the fun of the presents and the gifts and the songs and, and everything about it, we just loved, right? But now that we're adults, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves very quickly shifting onto a very different side of the fence. And so for me... I think it's just one of those things where we need to be careful that we don't fall in to the, the idea where we begin to look at the holidays and instead of thinking about the good things, we start to think about the traffic that is all around Temecula and Marietta right now. Literally, I've never been to a town that has more traffic on surface streets than they do on freeways, but somehow we have accomplished that, which is something to be proud of. I, the, the idea that everywhere you go, it's the same four Christmas songs over and over and over and over again. How many of you guys like Christmas music? How many of you guys get a little tired of it this time of year? Okay. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. How many of you guys singing in the shower like me? Too much information. I trapped all of you guys. Some of you guys, the idea, you know, the, the whole idea of like, hey, Christmas is the time for the, the family to celebrate together. The family comes together and some of you guys are like, that's great. And some of you guys are like, you, you do not know my family. We have got a really dysfunctional family. And the idea of you guys coming together and celebrating is like, Ugh, I, I, it's, it's why I hate Christmas. There's, there's all these silly, silly reasons that we can get caught up into the idea of adult eyes versus childlike eyes. But if you're in the room, you're like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like maybe I kind of have childlike eyes and I've got a test for you. This is a quiz. This is like when you, know, when you were a little girl and you had the Cosmo, like 13, is that a thing? It was a thing. Don't ask me how I knew it. But this is a quiz. So if you can, use your imagination here. I want you to go back to early October. It's early October. You eventually find a parking spot in the Costco parking lot. You walk approximately a mile to the front of the Costco, and, and you, you bypass the temptation on your left, which is the pizza and the ice cream, and the churro for my wife, and, and you, you walk by the lady who demands to see your card even though you're there every day for samples. She says it's procedure, and you have to do it, so you show her the card. On the left, you see like the, 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 the deals of the month that are trying to trap you, which they often do with me. On the right, there's the direct TV guy that you try to avoid direct eye contact with. <laughs> Just walk right by them. You pass the jewelry, and then there it is, you pause and you see it, it's just green everywhere with red, and you're like, Christmas stuff? Now, this is my moment, this is the test. If you out loud or in your head thought something along the lines of like, holy moly, it's early October. Can we at least have Halloween before you start forcing Christmas down my throat? Then you might have adult eyes. Anyone do that? I I literally stopped. I looked to my kids, I'm like, it's October! That is, that is the epitome of adult eyes. If, if a kid walks in there, that, they're, they're not making that comment. They're doing something very similar to what I found on the interwebs, which is literally the cutest video you will ever see of a kid getting pushed in a cart down the Christmas aisle at Costco. Enjoy. Oh, let's look over here, Mick. What's up here? Oh. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> ah. Ooh! So if you're wondering what this series is all about, it's about trying to get like a fraction of that and just embrace it. And again, it's tempting to go the other way, but we encourage you to embrace the sentimentality. We encourage you to embrace that childlike wonder. And so this week specifically, we're going to be looking at the idea of gifts. That's like for many kids, like that is, that is where it's all at. Like that face is most frequently expressed when, it, when gifts are a part of the equation. I looked, I just searched a couple of Google images. These are just some, some average examples I found. This kid is literally losing his mind over something that's still wrapped. I don't even know what it is. This kid right here is like, I'm about to get up in this and there's no holding me back. I don't, that is gonna be a mess soon, but he's excited. And this kid was hospitalized after this. <laughs> he literally, I mean, that is, that is childlike wonder to the point of, of medical concern. <laughs> but but that, that idea of gifts, like that is, that's what we're we like, wow. Christmas, you get all these gifts, and I mean, if you can, yesterday, I literally just like for an hour in my office, just started writing down little things that, I, that just came to mind, these things that I, when I thought of my childhood and the gifts and the presents, I mean, I, I remember being a little kid and writing my letter to Santa with my wish list and, and handing it to my mom and making sure, you sure you have the address? And she's like, yes, I have it. And I remember giving myself the pep talk that, okay, Ryan, now is the time to focus, be on your best behavior, walk the straight and narrow because he's watching, right? And I, can remember, I remember specifically one of the most vivid pictures that I can remember from my childhood is Christmas mornings, waking up, running to the balcony that overlooked our front room and seeing the tree all lit up with presents all over the place under, under that tree. I can remember running down there with my brothers and immediately we would start sorting the, the, the presents into piles like these were Evan's presents, these were my presents, those were Brandon's presents and we would just start to compare who had the most, who had the biggest, who had the heaviest. I would guess. I'd be like, well, what's this one? I wonder what this is. And you just, the excitement was overwhelming. I can remember thinking to myself, each year there's that one big ticket item that maybe, just maybe, I've made it really slightly obvious what I want for Christmas, you know? And your parents, you kind of, they, they don't really give you the affirmation that you, you'll get it from them or Santa, and you just kind of hope, hope, hope. And I can remember those, those times when you're working your way through your presents, and my mom would say something like, hey, Ryan, why don't you wait to open that one till the end? Which made me, I was like, yes, that one's, that one's a keeper. I can remember, remember years when my parents would make it very clear to me that my gift was, it was exorbitant. My gift was too much. There was no way they were going to be able to afford it. Listen, you need to know, Ryan, we are a family of certain means, and you are asking for a lot. Your friends down the street might get that, but we, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we can do that. And sure enough, the presents would come, and, and it, would be not, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be there, and, be, and there'd be great stuff, and I would try to keep my chin up and be grateful, and then my mom would go to give me a hug and say it's okay, and then she'd hand me a string. I'd be like, what is this, for my violin to play because I'm heartbroken and sad about my gift that I didn't get? And she goes, no, just follow it. And when I would follow the string around my house and it would lead to the Sega Genesis that I desperately wanted, does anyone, anyone 38 remember Sega Genesis? Oh, I remember, I, and again, I remember the year where I'd have a treasure map leading to my present. I remember, I remember just the overall excitement of like, I could not wait to get up in that wrapping paper and just unwrap it. I can remember my my grandma 90, just the most delicate fingers ever, just sliding underneath the paper, taking five minutes to unwrap one present, while I'm like, hurry up! I can remember my dad telling the Christmas story, which I was like, okay, I get it, that's part of the deal, we have to do this, that's cool. But then my grandpa, my dad would always say, Grandpa Beaver, do you want to pray? And I'd be like, please, Grandpa Beaver, pass! Anyone but Grandpa Beaver. He was a missionary for like 30 years in Africa, and this dude could pray. And I'd be, once he'd say yes, I'd be like, oh, and I literally, somewhere in my parents' garage is a videotape of a seven-year-old me flipping out, losing my mind with excitement, like just looking through my fingers at the present, saying, hurry up, wrap this thing up, Papa. Wrap it up. Am I the only one? <laughs> Again, whatever, we have those memories of gifts as a child, but Now that I'm an adult, it's like, I don't remember the last time I was that excited about a Christmas present. I remember the last time I opened a Christmas present. I was like, wow, this is incredible, right? Because sadly, and it's not because I don't have family that loves me and family is generous. It's because I'm an adult with poor discipline. And so if I see something, I find a way to get it. And then Christmas comes and I'm like, okay, I I have everything I need and I have some debt. So mom, can you give me a check and I'll pay off my debt? Which is the reason for the season, right? It really gets the spirit. And, and again, aside from the gifts that I get, there's the gifts. It's, it, there's, there was a time as a parent where I remember Christmas morning was really difficult for me because I saw a side of my kids that I really, truly did not like. I can remember there were some seasons where I'm like, who raised these ungrateful little brats? Who raised these kids that are th- this impatient? How, on, how did it get to this point? What have we done wrong? And I can remember legitimately thinking like, I have, I have been angry this morning more than I have been like, yay, it's Christmas. And for good reason in a lot of ways. But the, the, thing, the, the thing that when you look at the whole process, it's like we're very, very, very much in danger of, of getting to the point where gifts become a burden as opposed to something we celebrate. My kids unwrap their present and they're super excited and, I, and all I can think of is, is the mess that's going to be in the living room. I mean, I have a picture of a living room that this is very much like, this is lightweight. That's like a JV wrapping paper mess. We've had family members get lost in wrapping paper before. We lost grandma for like 20 minutes one night. Where'd she go? but they do have a kayak in their living room. And then for me as a dad, when my kids open their presents, despite the mess, there's this one thing that I dread even more than the mess. It's this phrase that I start to twitch when I hear, because as a dad, your kid will open the, you know, the Avengers toy figure set and they will look at you and they'll say, dad, I'm like, no, don't say it. And they'll say, will you open it? I'm like, no, I hate toy wrapping. <laughs> it's absolutely enough to make you say, can we just skip to Easter already? Can we be done? There's, there's all these wonderfully sad reasons to why we, we, we begin to dislike the gifts and the presents. You know, when my kids have that one gift they hope they, hope they get and we, and we shell out the money, I, if I'm being honest, I, I find myself very quickly thinking, all right, how long till they lose it? How long till they break it? How long till they totally forget about it like they did with the last couple of years, things they needed to have? And again, as a parent... It's super easy to get caught up in that. And for some of you guys, you're thinking, Ryan, you're on the right track. The gifts, are, that's everything that's wrong with Christmas. I mean, we're forgetting the, the real meaning for Christmas. We, we get so caught up in the gifts under the tree that we miss the gift of Jesus, which has a lot of truth to it. But some of you might be thinking, Ryan, just, just stay the course, get rid of gifts altogether, and you will be doing what's most honoring to God. And I would suggest that maybe, just maybe you wouldn't be. I would suggest that maybe there's something beautiful about the idea of exchanging gifts. I believe that the idea of childlike wonder and the idea that that you exchange gifts this time of year is actually a beautiful thing in many ways. It can certainly be ugly for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. But you know what's really, really, really cool? I went on Google about two weeks ago and I typed in the search bar, Christmas is a time for, and I purposely stopped because I wanted to see what would autofill. I didn't type in the letter G, I just typed in, Christmas is a time for, and the first thing that popped up was the word giving, which is pretty cool, because I don't know if you know this, but we live in a society that's incredibly selfish. It's a time, it's a, you know, I would think Christmas is a time for getting presents, Christmas is a time for receiving, but on a, this is not ChristianGoogle.com, this isn't SentimentalGoogle.com, this is Google Google, which is weird when you say it back to back, try that later, Google Google. On regular Google, you type in Christmas as a time for and it says giving, which means that for some weird reason in a society that is very self-centered and selfish in general, we seem to embrace the idea that this is a time of year to give to others, which is really God honoring in many ways. So to me, I I look at it and what what better time of year to teach than than, than Christmas to teach my kids about the the importance of gratitude. One of the, the most encouraging things for me is the last several years on Christmas morning, I don't hate my kids. Literally on Christmas morning, I'm like, "There you go! You sincerely got up and, and, carefully and thoughtfully, walked over to that person and hugged them and said thank you, and it looked like you meant it. I didn't even have to tell you. I don't care if you really mean it; at least it looked like it. I mean, literally, that like that's that's beautiful. How about the, the, just teaching your kids the joy of giving? One of the things that my parents have done for the last. I think three or four Christmases is that my dad throughout the year will collect cans. Every every soda we drink or whatever, he just crushes it, throws it in a box or a little can. By the end of the year, that thing is almost full and he takes it and he recycles it. And then my mom and my dad take our four kids to the mall or to Costco, which is the best place on earth. And they tell each kid, you're going to buy a present for mom and you're going to buy a present for dad and here's your budget. And so about three or four years ago, they did this and they couldn't stop raving about the way that the kids went about it. He said, you wouldn't believe the excitement on their face when they saw, oh, that would be perfect for dad. Oh my gosh, mom will love this. I can't wait to see her face when she opens it. I am telling you with complete and total sincerity, my kids show almost as much excitement about the gifts that they give us each year as they do about the gifts that they, and now again, bottom line, they like there's more, but there's a lot of genuine excitement about us opening the gifts, and I love that my parents have instilled that in them. And it's great for me because I get gifts. And and so like the first I remember the first year the first year my, my the, there was five gifts from my kids to the two of us. And it worked out to where four of them were for my wife and one big one was for me. And so they said dad you open yours last let mom open hers first. I remember watching and thinking okay. And so because I'm a good person and and kind of despicable I started adding up estimates. I was prices I was playing prices right on Christmas morning. I was like that thing's probably 12 bucks. That's 12 bucks, that's okay, that's plus 12, that's 24. Okay, we're getting it, this is close to 50 bucks. I'm thinking, what did my kids get me for almost 50 bucks? I was really, really, genuinely, like truly, sincerely, I was like, this is cool. I got 50 bucks, there's something awesome in this box. I couldn't. I shook it, I weighed it, I figured it out, I looked, I could not get it. I opened it, and much to my surprise, this is what was in it. It's about my reaction. Zoom in so you get the full effect. Oh yes, I said, S- this is sweet. This is really cool. Like, is this, is this is this is it? Like, was this was this equal? Did we do this equal? Like, is this is equal. Like, th- yeah, yeah. Su- it's super expensive, but we knew you'd love it. I do love it. I do love it. It is really, it's one of those shirts you put it on, you're like, like it doesn't breathe at all. And and that stuff right there does not breathe even more. And then there's the subtle like little detail that my name is not on it. (laughs) That's the Beaver family. Hint, hint, dad. They're back there. (laughs) So anyway. Anyway. Aside from the gifts that we can celebrate, like the, like the beauty of, of actually giving and exchanging gifts in boxes, I personally have been incredibly convicted and challenged this year Like that, that I, I do not want to waste this season without counting each and every blessing I can that doesn't come in a box. I mean, that is my, like, my, my mantra right now, is I am going to just count my blessings this time of year. And I will tell you with complete and total, complete and total sincerity, I am I'm really blessed. And so some of you in here like, I'm, you're going to hate me as I go through this list because you're like, that's not me right now. And I don't, I don't take that lightly, but I do want to say like, I, I am literally like, I, I go to bed every night in the same bed as Jen, my beautiful wife, who if you would have told me in high school, I would get to sleep with every night. I'd be like, shut your mouth. <laughs> really? But I do. And she's incredible in a thousand different ways. But if I'm not careful in the busyness of life, I will find myself... Focusing more on little annoying habits, or which she has like two, many. Anyway, to, to count. <laughs> Just kidding. That part about sleeping in bed with it? Not tonight. Sofa. Anyway. She, she, uh, She's amazing, but I, if I'm not careful, I find myself not appreciating what an incredible woman she is. My kids are the, like, they're such an incredible gift. And, I'm, and I, I feel like I'm a dad who for the most part appreciates them, but I'm like, there, there's, you are missing opportunities. These kids keep getting older, and before long, they're gonna be gone, and you're gonna wish you had these moments. Like my, my, my youngest son, like, I could still take him to see something, he's like, wow. So I'm like, let's go, let's go walk around Bainbridge, even though it gives you a seizure just getting out of the car. If you don't know what it is, it's awesome. And so I'm trying. I mean, my health, my home, my job, my friends—these are all blessings that are are far better than anything I can unwrap in a box. And I'm so guilty of not counting them. And I believe that that, that at this time of year, better than anything, man, count those blessings. So again, there's 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 the idea that I'm someone who I consider myself blessed, and I don't say that lightly because I know that life can change and things can can be a lot more difficult, and there's people in this room that me going through that list was like torture in many ways, because like, man, that's not me. I mean, I've, I've had those things, or I haven't had, but right now, I am, I am feeling it. I, this is difficult, difficult, difficult. Ryan, I am having a whole lot more ease counting the difficulties in my life than finding a few blessings, and so please know, first and foremost, that, that I, I feel, I, I have not, I don't wanna say I feel your pain because I've, ne- I've probably never been through what some of you are going through, but I feel for you. And as I, as I offer this, this next little bit of encouragement, please take it as nothing more than an honest and sincere effort to encourage you and not a trite attempt to say, cheer up. But, but this is a, a hymn that I came across this week that I thought was really beautiful and I think it speaks to people that are in the midst of difficult times. When, when upon life's billows, you are tempest-tossed. When you find yourself in the middle of the storm, When you are discouraged, thinking that all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Some of you, it is not easy to pick out the blessings right now. Some right right now, you have far more glaring things that that you are overwhelmed with. But I would encourage you, when when you're getting your head above water for that breath of air, do your best to look for the things in your life that you still have that you can be grateful for. Count them one by one. And I love that last line. It says, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It will surprise you the blessings that you still do have. So I mentioned a while ago that really, aside from the gifts that come in boxes and the the gifts that that don't come in boxes, there is the great gift that we are here to celebrate. And that is the birth of Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. And I say that with the utmost sincerity because realistically, as many of you know, that the idea of Christmas being about Jesus, being about Christ, is tragically and sadly lost on many. And it's very tempting for us as Christians to, to, to want to take back Christmas and to remind people what the reason for the season is. And if we're not careful, we do so with an aggressively militant attitude to where if someone dares mention happy holidays to him, you eye them up and you say, no, no, no. Merry Christmas. May the love of Jesus richly bless you. Which I say mockingly, but at the same time, I, I want to I flip the script a little bit. What if we as a church stopped worried about, you know, making sure that people out there knew that it was about Christmas and, and, and bringing Jesus back to Christmas? What if we stopped worrying about that with the people outside the church and we said, how could we personally do a better job of that? How can me, and my, me as a parent of four and, and, and me as a pastor, how could I do a better job of it? How could you do a better job of it? How could we truly begin to experience that childlike wonder about the gift of Jesus in our own homes? And I would argue that slowly but surely, if we really did that internally, I think that it would begin to take effect outside of these walls as well. And so, for starters, I want to remind you guys of, of probably the single greatest Christmas verse. It's a very uh, rare, very, very rarely quoted verse. It's John three sixteen. This is Christmas. We don't associate it with Christmas often, but this is Christmas. For God so loved the world that he what. He gave, it was a gift. He gave his one and only son. The birth of his son was a gift to us that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have an incredible gift in Jesus. And with complete and total sincerity, that is why we should be celebrating this year. Sure, we, we, we exchange gifts and sure we count our blessings, but make sure above all else that we are remembering that this is about God loving us that much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. It's a celebration of the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. And so I've, I've wrestled with the idea of how we as a church can kind of grow in the idea. Like I, I personally would like to experience more childlike wonder when it comes to that gift. I want to have that, wow, this is amazing experience. And so all all week long, I, I debated about how I would go about it. But the one passage that kept coming up over and over as this perfect example of childlike wonder in response to the gift of Jesus, it's from Matthew chapter 13, and it's in verse 44. It's a parable that Jesus shares. Jesus made this story up to prove a point. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. I want to stop there and I want to say this. There are giant books by really intelligent people written about the kingdom of heaven. I mean, these books break it down a thousand different which ways. I do not pretend for one second to be able to do that in a minute, but for the sake of just clarity and for the sake of simplifying, I want us to think of the idea of the kingdom of heaven as as Jesus and the life that he invites us to embrace. So when you read this, I want you to read it as Jesus and the life that he invites us to embrace and to live into. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought that field. So, to me, that's, that's it. That is, in his joy, a man, going, a man finding something, discovering it, and then running to sell everything he has so that he can have that because it's that amazing. That is the definition of childlike joy in response to, to Jesus and the life that he invites us to embrace. So the, the question, well, before I get to the question, let me just say this. This is something I find intriguing. When you read parables, it, it, one of the kind of key things they teach you at Bible schools and when you read certain commentaries, they say, listen, the key to a parable is this, one thing. When you read this, you need to look for one thing. What is the one main point? Jesus decided to paint a verbal picture. He wanted to paint a picture so that we could, we could learn something from it. What is the one thing that Jesus wants us to take out of this passage? I ask you that. What is the one thing? You don't need to answer out loud, but to me, in my humble opinion, the one thing that Jesus desires that we we learn, that we discover from this, is just how amazingly awesome the kingdom of heaven is. I believe this is a parable that's intended to help us grasp how wonderfully amazing Jesus and the life that he invites us to embrace is. That's what Jesus is working on here, and I bring that up because there's something really intriguing about it. He wants us to know how awesome something is, but he doesn't really, in detail, describe anything about the thing. So if I wanted to go up here and say, can I just tell you how awesome my iPad is? This thing's incredible. Look at this thing. I can can have sermons on here. There's different colors. My kids play games on it, make my screen ridiculously sticky and nasty. I can watch movies on here. This thing is awesome. There's so much more. I can't wait to tell you. Like, if I wanted to tell you how great something was, I would describe it in detail like that. Jesus is going to tell us how great something is without describing it specifically at all. Instead, he powerfully shows us how amazing it is by showing the response that a man who truly discovers it has to it. And it says so much more than I could ever say. Imagine if if, if there was no volume up here and you watch someone open a box and look at something and go, wow, and just run off the stage skipping. Does it not say... And immensely more than, than, than words could possibly say. What Jesus is trying to paint here is this amazing picture that, man, the, Jesus and the life that he invites us to embrace is incredible. And so you have this beautiful story of, man, this is what it means to have childlike wonder in response to, to the gift of Jesus. And, and it paints this picture of this incredibly awesome response. And I'm left with this really awkward moment where I'm like, dude, that's an amazing response. That's, that's not how I've responded for so much of my life. I mean, I, I, if, I'm, if my arm stretched way, way, way further that way, I'd say that much of my life was, was an even bigger gap than this. But this is something that I have seen to be true in the mirror. I've seen it to be true in, in the people that I know and, 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 and am friends with. I've seen it to be true in the people that I minister to. I've seen it to be true in youth groups. I've seen it to be true with adults. There is a gap between the way this man responds and the way that most of us respond to Jesus in the invitation that he gives us to embrace this, this, this way of living. And so the, the question that I have that I keep kind of wrestling with is, what do you do about the gap? Like, what do we, because I mean, realistically, if I, if, I, if I could give you all a pill that, 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 that closed that gap, you would leave here and have the merriest Christmas you've ever had as you celebrated the birth of Jesus. And so if we really want to have this childlike wonder, we need to figure out what to do with this gap. And so... I started asking myself, what, well, what, what, have, what have we done in the past? What, what is like the go-to procedure for a church? I mean, I had a summer camp about two or three years ago with high schoolers where I stumbled across that verse and, and I decided the whole week is going to be about that one verse. And the first week is going to be this wonderfully awesome process of acknowledging the fact that almost none of us find ourselves responding similarly, that there's a gap for all of us. And some of us we are being honest, it's a much bigger gap. And the rest of the time, we talked about what you do to bridge that gap. And we talked about how the church has been guilty of employing a few tactics time and time and time again. The the, the typical motivation that the church employs to get someone from here to here is this wonderful thing called guilt, and lots of it. They'll they'll say things like, do you not know what Jesus has done for you? I mean, does his death on the cross mean nothing to you? Every time you blank, you're spitting on the cross. Come on. So it's guilt guilt and I would even argue that guilt leads to obligation, that will hopefully, the church's goal in this is behavior modification. That not that people will actually necessarily love Jesus more and respond like that man did naturally, but they will just begin to at least try and act that way. Which is tragic. How many of you can think back to, 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 to youth pastors or, or regular pastors or friends that seemed like all they really wanted you to do was behave a certain way so you could make God happy? It's guilt and obligation to produce behavior modification guilt and obligation with the goal of behavior modification is exhausting it's frustrating it is emptiness defined it is anything but the abundant life that jesus talks about and most importantly it is not pleasing or honoring to god you think god watches youth pastors using guilt and obligation to, to produce behavior modification he goes That's what I'm talking about. I need more of them. I don't think that brings any joy to God. I don't think God says, man, this Christmas, I want you to remember to keep Christ in Christmas. And if if it takes guilt and obligation to to create that behavior modification, then sweet, let's do it. I don't think God wants that at all. I think God wants something like this. Don't show it yet because I got to preface this. You will cry. You will cry because I cried multiple times and I'm really manly. This is is awesome. And this is what I believe God wants from us. This little girl lost her kitten and their mom got her a new one. Looking for like the manly guys out there. That, they're like, don't, don't. If you were married to a manly guy, look at him right now. Don't let him sneak the wipe. We always try and sneak the wipe when you're not looking. Don't let him get away with it. I said to you guys, that's, that's what I believe God wants. If you, if you think I'm saying that God wants us to be that appreciative, I don't think anyone has ever been that appreciative ever in their life. What I, what I think, what I'm pointing out of that situation is, is the authenticity behind it. The natural response that that was, like that young woman. There was no one in the corner going, "Okay, okay, say thank you." That, that. She say thank you. <laughs> like that girl just just started vomiting gratitude, uncontrollably, uncontrollably vomiting gratitude all over the place. Excitement, sincere, sincere. I mean, it was every. That is what God desires. Now, again, please, I am not telling you to go pretend to be that excited about Christmas this year. It's a process. It's a wonderful, wonderful process. I was thinking about this, how I could illustrate it. Imagine if, if my seven-year-old son, he opens a Christmas present next Monday, and in that present is a brand new iPhone X. He would, he would put her to shame. <laughs> because there's no chance on the face of this earth that he's even gonna look at an iPhone for like seven to eight years, and even then, it's gonna be an old one. It's gonna be one of my leftovers. <laughs> By that, it might be an iPhone 10 at that point, He'd be Like this thing stinks, anyway. He would lose his mind. Now, if you took that same iPhone and you, and you let the battery drain out on it for the sake of this illustration, and you put it in a box and you went in a time machine back 60 years to my dad when he was seven, you said, open it, you'll love it, it's amazing. And he opens it and he pushes the buttons and nothing happens, he's like, what's this? He's like, it's sweet, it's an iPhone 10. they're all the rage, he's like, this thing's kinda stupid. It would take him maybe a couple minutes of like feigned gratitude before he'd be offering the neighbor kid, trade me the, give me a tennis ball, I'll give you this. But you, 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 you push pause and say, well, don't, don't make that trade, come here. This is the power cord, it's called electricity, dad. It's an age joke about my dad. Anyway, and you start to upload and you start to swipe and you show him the games and you show him the music and you show him the interwebs and you show him Netflix he would literally explode with childlike wonder, right? Because I, because I stopped him and said, now you make sure you show it? Or because slowly and patiently and, and graciously, I said, no, 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 no you, don't, you don't understand how awesome this is. And so as, as a pastor, what if, what if we stopped using guilt and obligation as a tool for behavior modification and we just figured that, hey, Just like that iPhone, the gospel is something that we have to slowly and patiently and and surely slowly but surely reveal to people. And the more they understand it, the more they will have that reaction and it will be natural. One of the biggest tragedies I see in the Christian church is how often Sunday mornings are the like they're like a, a group. They're like a group equivalent to when your mom used to say, okay. You open, you go and you thank Aunt Gladys for that sweater she knitted you made out of burlap. You go thank her. You go give her a hug and you thank Aunt Gladys. That's what you do. And you, and you make it. You make it count. That is what. Listen. You Jesus did this for you, and this is how you ought to act. And so you go, go, go. Give her a hug. What what. There's a pastor named Tim, Timothy Keller who, he's like the pastor of the other past All pastors wish they were him because he's just really godly and awesome. And he has this metaphor he uses all the time. He says, the gospel is like a diamond. And I have the privilege of each and every every year, each and every week getting up here and showing that diamond to you. And each and every week I get to dig into God's word and I get to do the best I can to better understand this so that I can just, just turn that diamond a little bit and be like, oh, look at it. Isn't that beautiful? It's the same diamond, but oh, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? As the light refracts off in different ways, this beautifully, wonderfully simple truth is something that week after week after week after week we get to keep scrolling and showing you the new wonderful things of it, spinning the diamond. And then the beauty of it is that bit by bit by bit, I believe this happens because I've seen it happen in my life. Authentically and naturally, bit by bit, Christmas is beginning to mean more and more and more to me. I'm not... Closing treasure chests and skipping off through dirt fields yet. But I'm telling you, the, the the beauty of the gift of Jesus Christ holds more and more and more and more weight to me. The more that I, I go to God's Word, not as a thing that I do to check off a list, but I go to and say, God, reveal more of your beautifully precious gospel to me. Help me to see more of who you are. Help me to see more of how much how loved I am by you. And again, that as a church is what we hope to do each and every week. And on Sunday night at Christmas Eve, it's the most beautifully exciting and simple message you ever get to give. You get to say, let me tell you a crazy story about a God who loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could have a relationship with him. The kingdom of heaven is about Jesus and the life that he invites you to embrace. And that's what we're going to do on Christmas Eve. And so I know for many of you, that's like, hey, I'm here. No brainer. I come on Christmas every year. I'll be here. I want to just really quickly remind you again, Scott said it, but your neighbors are ripe for the picking right now. They are, they are ready to be invited to church. You invite them a month from now, they're like, who goes to church? You invite them on Easter, on Christmas or Easter for that matter? And they're like, all right, I'll give it a shot. I challenge you and I encourage you to to, to pray and to think, who are the people that I can invite? Who are the people that I've earned the, the relational equity to say, hey, come with me to church. You'll love it. I think it's a beautifully, wonderful, simple truth that we have a chance to delicately deliver to them, not just on Christmas Eve, but in the way that we live our lives. Again, the change happens here, and then I believe it happens out there. Let's stand up, and we'll close in prayer. Thank you, guys. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the beautiful, simple gospel God, you time and time and time again, you just remind me of its beautiful simplicity. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to, to just hopefully and expectantly open our, open our Bibles and come to church and come to small groups with the, with the hope and the, the, the desire that we would just get an ever so slightly different glimpse of this one beautifully simple thing, the gospel that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. This Christmas season, I do thank you, Lord, for the the opportunity that we have to give and exchange gifts and to receive gifts and and the generosity and the gratitude that seems to be encouraged during this time of year. I pray that you would help us to come alongside that, to celebrate it and to embrace it. I also pray that you would help each and every one of us to be able to see the many blessings you have in our lives and to appreciate them for what they are. And of course, above all else, I pray that you would help us to remember the reason for the season. That we would celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus, in our families, in our homes, and in our lives. We love you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.